1: My goodness, Juventus once again is out of the Champions League for a second consecutive season. They're out in the round of 16 as they lose to Porto. Borussia Dortmund, Erlen Haaland go through to the quarterfinals after beating Sevilla. We got Jimmy Conrad talking Tuesday. Champions League recap. Keigo Lasso begins right now. Everybody, welcome to Kegolasso, our Tuesday recap of the Champions League. My God, what a finish! Jimmy Conrad, Juventus is out. Once again of the champions league for the second straight season out in the round of 16 for the third straight season, uh, they couldn't make it past the quarterfinals. They obviously lost to Ajax in 2019 in the quarterfinals, the Ronaldo project still not working. And more importantly, specifically this season, Jimmy Conrad, the Andrea Pirlo gamble is really not paying off. Porto hold on with 10 men. They lose 3-2 on the night, but they win 4-4 in aggregate due, of course, to the away goals. Jimmy Conrad, reaction as Juventus. Bianconetti is done.
2: My first reaction is to commend Porto. They were so heroic in their performance after they went down to 10 men. And I thought it was a cheap second yellow that the referee gave to Taremi. That's why I'm wearing my my referee. Not, Not in solidarity, but almost to spoof these guys. I'm wearing a referee kit now. And... It just to make that type of call because if everybody that didn't see the game, he got a second yellow for kicking the ball away after the whistle blew, and it was reminiscent of when Robin van Persie got one against Barcelona ten years ago, eleven years ago.
1: Yeah, good call. For for
2: for what? It's just okay. You could have you could warn him. You could warn him. Say, hey, listen, if you do that again, it it just there's it. It just impact. It's it's such a it makes so much of an impact on the game. Like you don't have to make that decision and. The fact that he did was really disappointing. I don't, up until that point, I thought that Juve didn't have a lot of answers. They were having a tough time breaking down Porto, who, once they scored that first goal, could sit back and just put two blocks of, you know, five, four or five guys and make it really difficult and try to counter with Taremi or, or Morega. Ronaldo, again, not – I think Porto's a team he just can't have success against. I think that's written in the stars. He, he's, all, he's now lost to them. He didn't lose this game i guess per se but they lost the the, the tie overall He's not you can't
1: go goal. against your blood jimmy you can't go against your you you blood can't.
2: i don't know <laughs> i don't even know where to start i mean uve did themselves in they gifted two two goals in the in the first leg the the the, the penalty that they gave up there's some argument as to whether a penalty Demiral should never ever try to win the ball there he should know where the attacker is the guy's got his back to goal if he does receive it he's under heavy pressure there's no i just a to give away a penalty in that situation, very naive, I thought. Defendant defensively, if Chiellini had been there, Delict maybe had started, then maybe that would have had a different outcome, you know. But you got yeah. this guy. So let me narrate with it. you there,
1: Jimmy. Let me narrate with you. So so you have yeah. Oliveira scoring a penalty, so they're one nothing up. So at this point, it's three one Porto. Right. Um, and that stays like that at halftime, and then so take us to the second half. Then uh, as Juventus uh, comes in, guns blazing.
2: Well, the, the, the second half, the red card changes everything.
1: So right, gets the second, he
2: gets the second yellow. And then it's the Federico Chiesa show. The guy mm-hmm. absolutely Let me just add
1: something. Let me just add something but, on, the, on that. The on first that.
2: goal, though, was unbelievable, dude. Top corner.
1: Federico Chiesa is incredible. And we knew that he was going to do something. thing. But Chiesa is ridiculous. I just wanted to add something, what you said about the yellow card the second year. I tweeted this, and I got a lot of people. You know, I, I bet, Jim Beglin, uh, you know, uh, great co-commentator with Peter Drury. Uh, he said, listen. It's so ridiculous that, like, the moment he kicks the ball up, every single Juventus player is running at the ref, like saying, send him off, send him off. And I feel like that was an added part to it. I'm just, so my tweet was just basically, I just hate the fact that, like, every Juventus player's their first reaction is just to send him off. Like, that. that that's, that's not in the spirit of the game, and it really no, annoyed I, me. And I everybody you, was yeah. saying, everybody on Twitter was like, you know, their comment was like, well, it was a yellow. Like, That's not my point. <laughs> That's not my point. My point is just the fact that it was very annoying to see that Juventus's player's first reaction is like, send him off, send him off, send him off. And of course, that set the narrative.
2: Yeah, it did set the narrative. And I, th- I thought it was one of those things. If we look back on a documentary, you know, the voiceover, it freezes on that red card, and, and the voiceover comes in and says, and at this point, this is where UEFA wanted Cristiano Ronaldo to advance to the next round.
1: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, I read the development, Ron How <Howell>. yeah,
2: Exactly, <laughs> exactly. Like he comes in with the VO. They clearly want Cristiano Ronaldo to get to the next round. Uh, I, I will say th- there's no defense for that behavior, but I think it's because the high emotion of Taremi getting a yellow card two minutes earlier, right? So he got a yellow card for something else. Two minutes later, he kicks the ball. He's clearly emotional about that. I just feel like with the ref of that experience, he should have said, hey, listen, I get that you're, you're amped up. I understand this is a big game. If you do it again, I'll give you that. Of course, by the rule, people that can come in and say, oh, the rule of the laws,' he kicks the ball after the whistle. I get that. But there's still interpretation. There's still a managing of players and emotions from a referee. And I thought that was a chance where the referee could have. And given his experience, I'm surprised that he didn't. But it just felt like, hey, this is a good opportunity to make some. It was a great game. Don't get me wrong. And I'm glad Porto went through because I just thought that was a cheap second yellow. But let's now fast forward. Chiesa takes over. We could argue Chiesa has been Juve's best player this season, definitely over the last month or so. He just he just took it to another level Dude, the guy was on fire and they're going to feel unlucky that they didn't get that third goal when you could sense that Porto was a little bit tired because once they had that chance to kind of regroup in between the, the, the end of regulation and extra time, you knew that Sergio Conceição, the manager of Porto, was going to have something in place to, to give them some tactics to kind of survive that and hopefully get the penalties, uh, but they didn't need it.
1: It's just an unbelievable, uh, just hats, uh, because the conversation is going to be obviously about Juventus that once again, they don't make it uh, further on into the Champions League. Uh, They haven't won it, Jimmy, since 1995, 1996. You know, uh, this is not uh, to the tone of our our, our fellow social media colleague, uh, Tosin McKinley, they, they're very unserious when it comes to this uh, Champions League tournament. They're just not with it. And I wonder if it's like them also not adapting to the modern style of the game. You know what I mean? I don't see anything dynamic about Juventus. Not in the Champions League. You've, met, you've said it a lot a lot of times. Serie A is a different kettle of fish. And obviously this season not included because Inter Milan is looking good for it. But the fact that they can't go further, you know, hats off to Porto. Amazing. But you're Juventus and you have the best player in the Champions League playing for you. You've got Chiesa, who's fantastic. You, bu- you beefed up your midfield with Arthur, Weston McKenney, Rabio, Aaron Ramsey's playing well. You know, Matias de Licht, right? Meant to be the next best thing. Obviously, he didn't play today, but still, the run up to it, Juan Cuadrado, et cetera. And you can't still get it done. And then you gambled on a legendary player as your manager with no experience as a manager. What do you expect? What do you expect? And now the Coppa Italia final is really honestly the only thing that you can say.
2: Yes. I, I'm just going to say in defense of Andrea Pirlo for everybody that's watching, I have a little shrine to him. He, he's my, oh my God. He's savior. amazing. And he's amazing. amazing.
1: A legendary but, player.
2: But I'll say this, whatever tactics that he had for the first leg went out the window when bentakur gave up a bad ball right in front of goal. Like you can't, yeah. You can't, what are you supposed to do there? Right? I mean, the only thing you can prepare your team for there is the fact that, hey, listen, I think FC Porto is going to come out 100 miles an hour and try to punch us in the face to get kind of set the tone for this game. Just be prepared. These guys are, are playing at a pretty high level. They should just know that inherently. I don't think you need a manager to tell you that Porto is going to be coming out 100 miles an hour. Okay, so then let's say this. Okay, so it's 1-0 at halftime of the first leg. Then the second, <laughs> the start of the, you go, you go into tactics. So Andre Pirlo comes out again hey guys, listen, I think they're going to come out 100 miles an hour to start the second half to try to set the tone again. I got them a goal in the first half. You give up a goal 20 seconds into the second half. I mean, I just don't know what coaching can do there. If you guys aren't switched on when it's time to play, I don't know what else you can do for them. You can't hold their hand and play for them. And those are the two goals that we're going to look back on, at least as a Juve fan and say, that's where we lost the tie. Uh, We still had a chance though. Despite those mistakes, we still had a chance. I don't think they're too far off, but I will say that I don't think they're well balanced as a team. I, no, I think they have some guys that are aging a little bit and some younger guys that are still learning how to take on that responsibility. You got Juan Cuadrado who's had a renaissance as a wing back, outside back. I think I don't I'm surprised his right leg is still on, by the way, because he whipped <laughs> in like sixty crosses this game. And his
1: crossbar shot had to be with his left, which was amazing.
2: That's <laughs> <laughs> so the only one he had power left because yeah, his right he was dead nothing at that left. point. <laughs> I don't know. It's just I don't know. I don't know what the, what the answer is for, for Juve. I think you got to move on from Cristiano Ronaldo at this point. I think there's going to have to be some sort of reset button and you kind of keep the players that you can sense are going to help you move forward. And you're going to have to shed the ones that aren't. And then you're going to have to make some signings and figure it out. I mean, Paula Debala really hasn't reached the heights that I think we know he's capable of not consistently, at least. Uh, you know, Ramsey, does he really fit? I never saw really Ramsey as a Juve player. Rabio was an interesting one. I thought he played okay today, even though at the end, he should have whipped that one into the back post to Cristiano that probably could have won the game perhaps. I don't know. Their center backs are getting old. Delict hasn't really hit those Ajax heights, you know? So it's tough. It's tough. I don't, I don't really know. I don't think they're too far off, but there's still something. The balance is off. I don't, I don't know how to explain it, but what I guess this is this, this is just the team we're talking about, but. To your point, they haven't won since ninety six. So this is this is this predates every single one of these players. They're still yeah, having these issues. I, I
1: wonder, Jimmy, I Who wonder if a lot I wonder if a lot of it has to do with the fact that and listen, like this is completely just an opinion. I think that sometimes Serie A teams are so focused on the rhythm of the flow of Serie A that when they play in the Champions League, it's a little bit difficult. It's a little bit different. The fact that they couldn't get it done after uh got sent off in the 54th minute. It wasn't the 87th minute. It wasn't extra time. It was the 54th minute, right? Shortly after the beginning of the second half. And you still can't get it done. You have the greatest player of the Champions League with you. You still can't get it done. And sometimes I feel, I feel that Serie A clubs are so focused on, you know, maintaining some kind of cultural style rhythm of Serie A that when they play in the Champions League, it's a little bit different. Look at the, look at the defending champion. Bayern Munich, who is the ultimate example of the modern game, right? Look at the winners pass before that. Liverpool, exactly the same thing with the Argen Klopp, right? So my point with Juventus is, to your point is, they have to kind of, they have to just, you know, you know when you buy a car and you love it, but after 10 years, you got to kind of like, you know, either buy a new one or modernize it. I feel that that's what's happened with Juventus. You got to kind of like, and maybe they do have to move on beyond Ronaldo because it hasn't happened once again, you know, third straight season once again and that's a big deal but honestly with this season having my hiring Pirlo as your manager with no experience was really naive I think because there, there I think there are other managers that perhaps could have done some things especially if your goal is to go really far in the Champions League
2: yeah I guess to your point with regard to that Chelsea to their credit were like listen
1: they play learned lesson
2: Lampard's a club legend. He just wasn't ready for this gig yet. Doesn't have enough experience. We're going to move on to somebody that does. And he's somebody by the way that was already managing. (laughs) That's true. That's true, but still, still not enough, I would say. And then Tuchel comes in and yeah, it's not pretty all the time with Tuchel, but it's effective and they're getting results and they're probably going to finish in the top four. And, you know, so, and they're probably going to beat Atletico Madrid in the, in the champions league because Tuchel just finds a way to be very effective. So and then once they figure it out on both sides of the ball, they're going to be hard to stop that Chelsea team. And we saw that earlier this season. Maybe, maybe that's what Juve needed to do. They like, all right, we're not, Pirlo is not the guy. It's clear that there's still something lacking a little bit. Let's bring in somebody that can I don't know who you bring. I don't know who you bring in. I guess that would be the next question after that. Maybe Pochettino could have been somebody at that time. I don't know, but, but yeah, they do he is lacking. Maybe there are some, some tactics that are naive, but again, with regard to this tie, he can't play for these guys. And those first two goals they gave up in, first, in the first leg were just very going to be very hard to overcome, especially yeah. against a team like Porto that didn't give up a lot of goals.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And just final thing, Porto, well done. And Pepe, 38 years old. Old age and treachery will always beat youth and exuberance. That's a David Mamet quote, and that fits Pepe to a T. Absolutely beautiful. Hey, stay right here, because when we come back, we have Borussia Dortmund going through as well as they essentially beat Sevilla. Well, no, they do. They do beat Sevilla uh, on fall too. Stay here with myself and Jimmy Conrad. Que lasso. We'll be right back. Robert Half
0: Research indicates nine out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half.
3: Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today.
1: Welcome back, everybody, to Kegolasso. This is our Tuesday Champions League recap. Jimmy Conrad here, of course. Jimmy, we Hi. now discuss, uh, and we're both upset about this, uh, we both discuss now Borussia Dortmund through to the quarterfinals uh, against Sevilla. It was two all, super entertaining Holland on one side, uh, but Sevilla, Sevilla thanks to Yusuf uh, and Nesri uh, got two goals, one in uh, the 68th minute of penalty and the 90 minute plus six minute of stoppage time equalizing a great header, but it wasn't enough as Borussia Dortmund go through in a five four aggregate. Jimmy, I wanted Sevilla, you wanted Sevilla, Obviously, we knew how dangerous Borussia Dortmund were, but I feel like Sevilla shot themselves in the foot a little bit. Talk to me about this game.
2: Well, I, I don't know if it – well, they definitely shot themselves in the foot. That goes without saying. Jules Kunde, I love this young center back, 22-year-old uh, French international – He's going to be a name we talk about uh, for a long time. And I think at some point, a big club's going to buy him. But this last month in particular, he's been poor. I'm just going to say it. He's been poor. I'm a former center back. I watch these guys intensely and he has been poor. And I've been singing his praises throughout this whole season until this last month. I've been kind of a little quiet, wondering when he's going to pick it back up again. Him and Diego Carlos, another center back we've been talking about, also poor. And the results reflect it. He makes a mistake. I thought maybe you could argue Thomas Delaney running in like a madman to run him over the referee could have called the foul he didn't okay fair play and then the goalkeeper slow to react to the through ball and then early Holland scores the first one which really sucks I think for Sevilla because for the first 30 minutes they were in complete control complete control up until that point they were in complete control that was the 35th minute and that's a shame. They just lack that cutting edge. And I think I'm emotional right now because I hate when I miss my bets, man. I, <laughs> I, I feel a great deal of responsibility when I'm advising people to consider certain things that I know what the hell I'm talking about. And, and we weren't too far off today, Luis. And, and it's a shame because Sevilla made some plays and you just can't account for these, these player mistakes. At some point, I thought Jules Kunde and Diego Carlos are like, these guys are good enough to stack up Erling Holland and, and keep him quiet, but yet Erling Holland finds a way to score two goals. So fair play to Erling Holland. I mean, the guy is ridiculous. There's only been seven players, by the way, everybody, that have scored more than four goals, or four goals or more in the round of 16 over two legs. Okay, and he is now the seventh player on that list. Messi actually is number one. He scored six against Bayer Leverkusen. Back in the day, which is, which is next level. And actually let's talk Leo Messi needs to score six against PSG tomorrow to, to, uh, to actually help them go through, which is not going to happen, but, but we wish him the best.
1: It's absolutely incredible. By the way, Holland has already scored more champions league goals than Totti, Ronaldinho, Zidane, R9, hmm. Adriano, Carlos Tevez, Falcao, Lukaku. Um, he's only 20, 20 years old. This is a tremendous player, the youngest player ever to score 20 Champions League goals. Not enough uh, to talk about him. Of course, he's incredible. We all know this. He's amazing. Uh, and the thing is, though, Jimmy, in this um, game, we thought that, listen, Haaland was going to do his thing, no doubt. But we thought Sevilla were going to be a little bit more compact, a little bit more aggressive, and that we're going to win this game. But um, Borussia Dortmund is still going through. The problem was, to your point, was too many moments in this game where Sevilla were basically asking Borussia Dortmund to almost take control. There were too many defensive errors. It was it was just, a little just ba- frustrating. Just
2: bad giveaways in, in, in bad spots, Luis. I think I think that's what pisses me off the most. And, and I guess if you're trying to force... game a little bit from the from the back and you're trying to create those numerical advantages because Borussia Dortmund are in that Christmas tree formation so the gaps probably aren't the same as they're used to And, and so now you're asking your center backs Diego Carlos and Koundé to maybe take some more risk maybe take that space in front of them to try to drag a Borussia Dortmund player to them so which creates space in the next line right and and we just saw a lot of giveaways which ultimately led to quite a few chances for Borussia Dortmund the one where the, the penalty is initially called the foul on Holland. I know they ended up calling that back and then calling. That was so weird.
1: That was it's such a weird like, moment. <laughs> oh,
2: man. It's, it's, it's VAR at its then best. Sevilla got at its at worst. I haven't decided yeah. if it's at its best or at its worst with that regard, to regard it to that sequence. But, it, yeah, ultimately, Sevilla, when they look back at these two legs, are going to kick themselves because they just gave away goals. And, and when you play against a generational talent, like Erling Holland is emerging, to, to become an and RDB, be. uh, he's going to punish you for these, these little mistakes. And, and that's what world-class players do. And, and Sevilla just weren't good enough over the two legs.
1: Yeah. You can't do that. I mean, look at these stats, man. Like then Sevilla are closing in on 20 shots, right? Possession nearly 70% and Borussia Dortmund uh, managed to tie that game too well.
2: It's 70, 70% possession. And, and I just, it's just not good enough. Good. No, it's not. But then they have that urgency at the end. And so I don't, I want to say I had some issues with Lopetegui starting 11, but they were so good that first 30 minutes. Then they make one mistake, they switch off, Kunde gets you know caught out of, with the ball out of, out of position, and then everybody's got to make up for it, and then Holland scores, and then their heads go down, right? And then Dortmund's got the momentum. He brought on Papu Gomez in the 60th minute. I thought that changed a few things, right? Because he can play in between the lines. He can play under pressure. But that put a lot more emphasis on, on Kounde and Carlos and, and Fernando in the back to really be isolated 1v1 with Erling Holland, which is never a good look. And yeah, it was just too much to ask for at that point once once Bruce G. Dortmund scored first. Sevilla really needed to score first, I think, to end up winning this game. Yeah, we set that. And they yeah. didn't they didn't get it done. And and but that 70% possession just adds to my frustration. And, and I'm disappointed. I, I wanted to see Sevilla get to the quarterfinals for the second time in their history. And they're just a Europa League team. I've decided they prefer to play on Thursdays than than on play on Tuesdays and Wednesdays when they're playing in Europe. Because for whatever reason, they've got the magic sauce in the Europa League, but just can't get it done when the title of the the tournament changes to Champions
1: League. Well, like I said on CBS Sports HQ, man, they are the Conor Harahan of uh, European football. They're just not quite Champions League material. They're not uh, Connor is not quite Premier League material, but they're just a little lower than that. And that's Europa League. And that's where they rule the land. And the, just a one more point, by the way, about this game is that the thing is, the narrative was exactly what we thought they did control at the very beginning. It's just that you got to make it count. And that's what makes this game so beautiful and so tragic when it goes against you. That momentum, honestly, doesn't mean anything. Because all it takes is just one moment where you have a lapse of concentration. And that's exactly what happened. So, you
2: know. know. Yeah, let's talk about both teams and moving forward. For me, Sevilla, right? They lost in the second leg of the Copa del Rey semifinals after being up 2-0 in Barcelona. They lost. So they're not playing in the final. They're now out of Europe. And they are in fourth. Only three points ahead of Real Sociedad for that last spot in La Liga. Now they can focus all their attention on that. And that might be in their best interest, to be honest. Had they taken that one extra step in the Champions League, that's just more energy committed to something else. And, and Sociedad's already out of the Europa League. They lost to, to Manchester United in the last round. So this might not be the worst thing for Sevilla if they want to secure that Champions League you know, qualification for next season. But it is a little disappointing given how good they are and how much how much success they've had in Europe in general. But always, it's about the Europa League.
1: Yeah, they're very much, uh, you know, they're going to follow the Inter Milan trend, right? Now all you focus on the league. And by the way, remaining matches, they have Atletico Madrid to play and Real Madrid. But after that, like every game is doable. So as long as they stick to that Champions League spot, to be honest with you, Monchi and co and the entire club will be happy because to them it's about making sure that they continue having uh, European football, specifically the champions. Well, League. well,
2: this weekend they got the Seville Derby against Real Betis. So it should be a good one. Betis are only six points behind them. It's in the way their current form is. I actually would put my money on Betis at this point. I mean, that's probably what we'll preview uh, in our, in our weekend preview podcast, but uh, yeah, it, it, it's definitely stuff. one to watch.
1: Yeah. And Real Betis is sixth in the league. Hey, but what about Borussia Dortmund very quickly? do you How far do you think they can go in this uh, tournament?
2: Uh, it depends on the draw, you know? I mean, I, I think if they're not a team you're going to want to face, if, if Jane Sancho is healthy, we can get Gio Reyna healthy, you can get everybody back to full strength, Guerrero can come back into the team. They're not a team you're going to want to face. And, With Haaland,
1: anything's possible, okay, right?
2: Exactly, exactly. And so I don't know if they're going to win the competition. I think at some point you're going to run into a team that knows how to stack up uh holland accordingly or or at least uh, not allow him to get the balls in spots that he likes to get and be able to run at a back four which is where he's most dangerous i mean the guy can run and and his movement when he plays and moves is is incredible it's really incredible and his he runs with such purpose right he's gonna get it and he runs like he knows he's gonna get it back Yeah, and it's really hard to defend if you see if somebody's playing like that and they already have ideas uh after they've played the ball and, and at that point as a defender, you're reacting. And when you're trying to react to a striker who's that strong and fast and purposeful, you, you mentioned it on HQ, he, he has shades of R9 Ronaldo. He really does. I've played against R9 Ronaldo so I can speak to it a little bit.
1: What a line, by the way. Oh my God. Thank you God. very
2: much. Yeah, well, It's an incredible experience and I probably learned more in those 90 minutes than at any other 90 minutes in my whole entire life. I mean, just, that was a masterclass I got exposed to. Of course, he's got Zidane playing him the ball and Roberto <laughs> Carlos whipping him in and David Beckham from the other side and Raul dragging you into spots so R9 can run behind you. Incredible, right? But but his strength and pace and his purpose when he plays and moves, I've never seen anything like it. And, and I've played against some world-class players, Miroslav Klose, Hernan Crespo, the list Look goes you. on and on and on. So, so, so he, he, he reminds me of that, I see, a little bit of that. I'm not going to anoint him as r nine Ronaldo just yet. He's going to be early in Holland, his whatever version he is of himself, but but we're seeing shades of somebody that is going to be very special. And I can't say enough about him.
1: Yeah, no, there's traits of it. That's why I said it. I, I totally yeah. agree. There's total traits of it. Uh, bottom line. He's unplayable. It he, There's no solution to it. If when he's on, just get out the way. It's mm-hmm. just very difficult. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's going to be very interesting. As you mentioned, who they get in the draw, uh, but that's it, that's our show today. Jimmy Conrad uh, obviously will be back as well uh, to not, well, we already taped our preview for Wednesday, but also the recaps, we can preview, etc. cetera. Jimmy Conrad, always a pleasure, my friend.
2: Always a pleasure, and I love these weeks. I feel like I talk to you more than anybody else in my life over this Like My wife's like, who's this Luis Miguel Echigaride guy? Like, don't worry about it, don't worry about it. You're like You're like my mistress.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I'm your guma. <laughs> <laughs> Jimmy thanks a lot brother.
2: Ah uh, thank you Luis.
1: Hey, everybody. I want to thank Jimmy Conrad for joining me today. Don't forget to follow us on Twitter, Pod and send us questions. We also have there, if you go to Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or Stitcher, or even CBSSports.com, we already have our Wednesday Champions League preview. We have a great interview with Martin Braithwaite. We have so much content, so make sure that you follow us, leave a comment, and help us grow and grow. Send us tweets, send us questions. We love to hear from you. Have a great, great evening